This is the podcast that finds the most elusive people, the everyday amazing kind that you know nothing about. I'm hunting these people down and exposing their beauty to the world. I'm Andrew Bracewell, and this is Everyday Amazing. Um, and so my life is like the show, and then real estate is kind of like the commercial. Like I can. Mary Tess. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. I am very excited to be chatting with you in my living room. This is this is quite the thing to be doing. I'm very cozy. I got my blanket, <laughs> hot water. Well, we'll have to make sure to take pictures of you because you do look cozy. I'm just hoping you don't fall asleep. Gotta, <laughs> I'll try not to. We gotta we gotta keep you we gotta keep you awake while we try to dissect your brain Uh-oh. and learn all that we can. Um, so is it is it clean or climb? It's clean. I know I have a very difficult first name and then an even harder last name. <laughs> so I I've, I've, I was at a wedding once and I was singing. They're like, all right, please welcome Maritis Killam. I was like, I think that's me. I think that's like you. <laughs> Maritis Killam. So confession. Yeah. Um, I always like to start with confessions. I feel like, you know, you get something Good. off your chest. Good. So we've worked together in the same company for quite a few years. I think you've been around for 12 years. Uh, I've been at Remax only f- uh, maybe seven or eight, but license. Oh right, for okay, about 15, sure, yeah. license fifteen. But but so we've we've been in each other's lives without actually being in each other's lives for quite some time because yes. we've only recently started to spend some more time together. Yes. Um, but when when I started to see your name, I had no idea what to say. Like I don't I don't know how to pronounce that. That's great. Hey, That's great. There's a couple times that I did do hey to you. I don't know yeah. if you remember. And so, and then there was another couple of times where like, I actually avoided interaction because right. of that awful, embarrassing, like, you know, you get that sometimes where it's like, you know, yeah. you either forget the person's name or you don't know how to say it. So I'm just right. going to avoid, I'm that person. I'm the avoider walking down the hallway. <laughs> if I don't know, where it's, I, I was like, Oh, I got to pee. I got to go just hard left turn into the bathroom. Uh, but at some point in time I learned it was Mary Tess, but I've also wondered the clean climb thing. So now we know yeah. it's. Clean. It's clean it's team. clean and clean is okay. So you're, I mean, it's just clearly you're you've you've taken on the the name of your husband. Yes. Who will you know? We'll get to more a little bit later. Yeah. But is clean is this German it's or what? German, it, yeah, German background. I married a German guy. You married a German guy. Yeah. Yeah. Got my white boy. Wow, you made your Filipino parents proud. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's he, you know, you, you think of white guys to be like taller. And Filipinos <laughs> like, oh, we're gonna get like a tall grandkid. It's like, no, my husband's like the same height as me. Yeah, yeah, he's not playing basketball or volleyball. No, he hates yeah. basketball. He says it's a, right. a, a vertically challenged sport, so right. yeah, it's not that, fair. That's very true. So, uh, you know, we stumbled into family talk here, so why don't you just, mm. I don't know, take a few minutes, tell us who you are, what life is, and um, yeah, start there. Yeah, okay, so I'm, I've been married for about eight years now to my husband, Tyson, and I've got two little boys that are two and three years old. So two little monsters. What are their What are their names? Uh, Leo is the oldest one. He'll be four pretty soon, and Bennett is the youngest. And for anybody who's ever encountered you on Instagram, they they see you have two of the most endearing boys. Entertaining. They are amazing. We'll we'll talk more about them. But yeah. my God, I've laughed so many times <laughs> watching them. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry, I interrupted. Um, yeah, and so we live in the Fraser Valley, and uh, I grew up in Richmond. That's where my real estate career kind of started, and yeah, now I sell real estate here in the Valley. So how did you end up in, like, what's your, your um, 
your family background? How did you land in Richmond? Let's go back a little a little further. Okay, so my parents moved here from the Philippines in the 1970s. And they landed in a small logging camp in the Queen Charlotte Islands. Wow. So <laughs> my dad had these sideburns. My mom looked like she was 12 years old, but early 20s. Um, they were newlyweds, pregnant with my oldest sister at the time. So married in the Philippines. Married and in then, the Philippines. And then yard themselves out to the, the Queen, Queen Charlotte's. Charlotte's. Yeah. Of all the places in the I world. Know. <laughs> well, I, I think they just knew that Canada was a good place and there was lots of opportunity for kids, um, for their kids to have better education. And, and so I think that's why they made the move. So were they given a... I don't know. I mean, this is maybe a total infant question, but were they given an option of where to go or are you just told... Congratulations. You're welcome to Canada. Here's where you must live. No, I, I think my my mom's brother had gone first and worked for this company um, in the Charlottes. And Got so it. then he sponsored them to come. And so my dad didn't know anything about Queen Charlotte Islands. Uh, like my mom thought snow grew on the ground <laughs> because that's all she's seen. Well, pictures. it does. I mean, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Um, and so my dad was just telling me the other day how the first day he landed, they threw him in into the forest, basically with a shovel, and he had to dug, um, dig the snow out for the loggers, and that was his job. Wow. And so he had gone from like 90 degrees to like negative 10, and he said his lips just chapped like instantly, and they were so badly blistered. Wow. And uh, he lasted two and a half days. And they're like, okay, you're slowing down the production team. We got to pull you out of here. So they threw him into the office, made him a part-time timekeeper. And then he actually continued on to do his um, CGA, his accounting designation with them. And then like 40 plus years later, he retired with the same company. My goodness. What a story. So lands in Canada, starts with one company and finishes up. That's amazing. Yeah. So he's very, very loyal and um, really hard worker. And then my mom ran the little commissary shop, the postal store, um, kind of typical Asian running the convenience store for the camp. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and so I feel, I feel very fortunate to be here in Canada. Yeah. Um, I think that my parents sacrificed a lot. He, my dad tells me the day that he remembers they left the Philippines and he was at the airport looking at my mom through the glass. And mm. there she was, his new bride, pregnant with my oldest sister, and he's like, I'm, I'm leaving my home, I'm leaving my family, I'm leaving my country mm. to set up for them to come and for us to have a better life together. And so I feel very uh, grateful mm. to, to live here and to have the opportunities I have. And I feel like my opportunities that I have were bought at a price by my parents. Mm. And so I don't feel entitled to anything that I, I think a lot of my peers maybe feel sort of entitled that millennials get a bad rep for having um, mm-hmm. that stereotype of like, oh, we're they're owed, yeah. they're owed something. Or yeah, they but I don't, I don't really struggle with that mm. feeling. So do you, do you feel a, um, a duty because you know, because your parents, let's use the terminology, you know, paid for your opportunity. Do you then, do you carry that through life? And is that, that's part of your, yes. like you wake up every morning, it's like, well, I don't, I, I don't feel good. I don't want to do this. Shut up, Mary Tess. Get, get your ass <laughs> out of bed. Go do this. Is that, is that part of your, your, your mantra? Yeah, I think, I think my parents were very heavily involved in my childhood and, 
and they drove us to do really well in school and any passions I had, they invested fully in. Um, when I was doing music and acting, my mom would drive me to all over the lower mainland and wait in the car all night long while I did my thing. And then, um, so I feel indebted to, to them for sure. For those of you listening that heard Mary Tess say music and acting, don't worry, we will get to that. We're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not passing over that. I'll get you on that in a okay. minute. So, um, so you are, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm an infant in this conversation. You're then a second generation immigrant. Is that what, is that how you're classified? Um, Cause your parents immigrated and, and you were born here. I, I think, I don't, I'm not sure. I might be first, first generation Canadian. Yeah. I think these are, these are things we'll have to look up and, <laughs> and educate ourselves on. So, um, you're born then in the Queen Charlotte's or you're born in Richmond? I was born in Richmond and lived in the Queen Charlotte's for the first couple of years. Cause we didn't have a hospital sure. there. Yeah. There was only there. I think there was 400, 500 people there. Yeah. So, um, and then after we lived in the Charlotte's for a couple of years, my sisters grew up there, but then they had no high school system. Mm-hmm. So then we had to move. So I was raised as a city girl. Got it. City girl. Mm-hmm. And you come across that way. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't see you, you know, with an ax out in the bush. That's no. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't hike. I mean, you I could. Don't camp. I'm not saying, Oh, you don't care. Oh, no, oh no, see, no. we should talk about this. No, you okay. I. You know what? My parents work too hard to get me into a country where I don't have to poop outside. Oh. So I, I will not camp. See, you know, I think subconsciously my spirit knew that I loved you, even though we haven't talked about these <laughs> things. I don't understand it. I don't know. Like, I, and you know what? As a child, I camped. Like, I and I yeah. really camped. My dad and my parents. We went out in like shitty tents that had holes, <laughs> and we weren't properly equipped. And we actually cooked over the fire. And more often than not, camping uh, was cold, yeah. wet, yeah. you know, uncomfortable, Sounds terrible, constipated, like whatever. Oh. Like th- life isn't normal. And I just don't understand. Like we people, we have like. You know, the world has developed like Westons and Fairmonts yes. and, and I don't, I don't understand why you would choose to, to not do yeah. that. And, and then the argument where people go, well, it's, it's inexpensive. It's cheap. That's a load because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, are I, expensive. I understand that what my parents did with me was cheap and inexpensive because they had no money. But then what I observe people doing today, that is not inexpensive. Oh. All of the equipment and crap that they buy is, is very expensive. So anyways, we share that together. That's yeah. That's phenomenal. So have you never camped as like an adult human? I think my sister took me once and I hated it. I'm like, never again. Yeah. <sighs> Kindred spirits, you and I. <laughs> Amazing. We're going to get, you know that we're going to get glared at by people who I know, hear this. I know. My <laughs> friends love camping and they all go together and I never get the invite. And I'm like, I'm not offended. Knock your socks off. See, I'll be in my warm bed. Th- this causes conflict in my marriage because my oh. wife loves that. The whatever that she would love to camp more and, and do that kind of rough it or, you know, whatever, whatever people call it. And we've done it and she's done it even with friends, but it's just, it's hard to get me motivated to, uh, to want to do something like that. Yeah, just leave me at home. <laughs> so, okay. So you're not camping as you're growing up. Yeah. You're in, you're in Richmond yeah. doing the whatever, just the regular Richmond kid thing, I would presume. And you alluded to something, which is, I, I never knew this about you. I, I only learned this about you, I think, when we were, you know, talking about doing the show together. Um, you actually had, like, a childhood pop star career. Like, that, that's not misrepresenting. <laughs> I'm not calling you Britney Spears. No, no, I know no, you're no. not yeah. Britney Spears. No. Talk about that a little bit. So, my entertainment career started when I was about eight years old. 
I was, I grew up doing karaoke and kind of that was part of our cultural upbringing. And so I was used to being in front of the, uh, entertaining people. And so my, my, uh, people would always tell my mom, you should put her into acting. She'd do really well in acting. And so we booked an appointment to meet with an acting coach. But before we did that, I was walking in Steveston and some people approached my mom and they're like, we need your daughter for a commercial right now. And my mom is paranoid Filipina lady. Like they're trying to kidnap my daughter. She's like, no way. And they're like, yeah, you got to get in our van. We're going to go do. And she's like, no, no, no. And they're like, we'll give her $2,000. And she's like, okay, go. You know, apparently, <laughs> apparently Steveston's known for childhood Filipino kidnapping. It's- I, you know, this is a, a real thing in my, in my upbringing. That was a thing that we had to be afraid of. And so it was legit. It was a commercial for Canada's 125th birthday. And I had to just like run up to the camera and then, uh, yeah, I can't remember exactly if it was $2,000, but I got paid a lot. Really? For being eight, eight years old, it was a lot of money. And then I went to my acting agent and I said, I've already done a commercial. So she's like, great. So, yeah, I did some acting and then, um, yeah, I did like a dozen or so TV commercials, a couple TV shows, just, you know, two or three lines, not nothing major. Um, and then I transitioned to doing music. So, mm. um I recorded some songs. We had them on the radio. They were on the the Beat ninety four point five. Okay, okay, you're not you're not blowing over this quickly. We need <laughs> we. Need, I I can even see it in your body language. I know. I I'm did, so not. I did some. I did some songs, and then it's nothing. And no, I want the name of the song, oh. how much it was played. Like, come on, give us the details here. Okay, so I recorded a song called "Back in the Day," and you wrote it. No, I didn't write it. I, I was a pop star, like the typical pop star. I just, I just went in and recorded the songs. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Shout out to all the pop stars out there. Sorry. We know you don't write your own shit. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, yeah, it was it was on the radio and it was in heavy rotation, meaning every couple of hours it was on. So I'd be walking in the what, mall. Hold on. What year is this? Is everyone's trying to think back in their life right now. We this need, was... I need to remember who I was dating, early. what car I was driving, <laughs> Whether or not I've made out to you singing. Oh, no. Ew. <laughs> I was probably married at the time. <laughs> uh, this was like early 2000s. Oh, perfect. I guess I was like, I think I started recording as about 15, 16. So quite, quite a while ago. Okay. So the name of the song was again? Back in the Day. Okay. Um, it was since we had a falling out with the producer, and so they eventually re-recorded it and re-released it. So it's hard to actually find, because I know as soon as I tell people, they like try to Google it. I'm like, good luck. This was before like YouTube was really big and all that. You do know that we're going to get it, and we're going to play it out <laughs> at the end of this podcast. No, I watched, <laughs> That's amazing. Our producer, Justin, he should, <laughs> nobody can see him, and he's not on the mic, but he's just absolutely loving this. He's writing notes right now. Get song. <laughs> That's fine. Download. Yeah. yeah that's oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So then I performed in nightclubs. I, the weirdest thing that happened was I was on vacation in the Cayman Islands sitting at a bar and the bartender recognized me. Wow. And he was like, I know who you are. And he's like, I, I, I listened to your song. I'm from Edmonton. I, I was like, whoa. That's so amazing. That was pretty bizarre for me. Wow. Okay. So, so that's, and then, so the, the music was more, what was your bigger, was it music or acting that you were more passionate about? Probably music. Yeah. Okay. To this day, I still like music. I still like to sing at church and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, acting, I, it, it got to a point where I was just a cute kid and I could say a couple fun lines, but then as I got older, they're like, okay, you have to invest in lessons and actually dive in. I was like, nah, I don't really want to do that. Mm. Um, 
Music's more of uh, my karaoke roots coming out. Got it. (laughs) I feel like that's something, like, I've heard you say, make that Filipino karaoke reference a number of times, and I'd be lying to say that I'd never thought that before this point in my life, (laughs) but it's also something I didn't think I was allowed to say. Oh, it's it's so stereotypical, but it was literally a part of my upbringing, like how kids play softball. I karaokeed. Like, we karaokeed when I was sad. When I was happy, when we had a birthday party, when there was a funeral, like it doesn't matter. Any opportunity to pull out the magic mic, we did it. You know what? In this in this environment, uh, in the world we're in today, you know, sometimes stereotypes are you know you're not supposed to talk about them, or you know they're they're offside or whatever. But I, I some of them are real, and they're that's not. That's why they're funny. That's right. Totally, they're funny because they're honest. So we one year, uh, Kristen and I, my wife Kristen, we're 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 in Maui. I can't, we've been to Maui a few times. I can't remember what year it was, but it was, you know, probably somewhere prior to 2010, maybe after. I have no idea. She'll listen to this later and she'll correct me and it's fine. Um, but we go to this, uh, we go to this sushi restaurant and I think we had read that there was karaoke there, if I remember correctly, but like we needed to eat and I wanted to check this place out. I'm a big Japanese food nut and the place had great reviews. So, so we walk in and it was clearly karaoke night. And it was clearly dominated by Filipino people yeah. <laughs> on the island of Maui at a sushi restaurant. Why yes. is everybody Filipino here? Yes. But like they were just there to crush it. Oh, yeah. You know, like and watching them was unbelievable. It's, like this it's is not their... like the way that like white drunk people do karaoke. It's like oh. we're really giving her. It's, yeah. You sing with feelings. Right. You sing with feelings. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, there's no comparison. This is well watching them. It's it's like you wonder like, okay, how much did you practice for this? A lot. Because <laughs> this is clearly not, like you said, the, the drunk white guy who just stumbled onto the <laughs> yeah. stage and doesn't know what he's doing. These people have put effort into the performance. Oh, yes. yes. It's quite, From a young age, they train us. That's quite amazing. So, yeah, anyway, so that is a stereotype I believe we should be allowed to talk about yeah, and embrace. Because it's I'm not it's, offended. It's fantastic. So you, okay, uh, we're growing up in Richmond. You're, you became a pop star. You got recognized at a bar. And where was that? Barbados, what'd you say? Cayman Islands. Yeah, Cayman Islands. But fast forward a bit. So you're, today you're, you're married and you have a couple kids. Yes. Um, how, does that, how does that story come to be? So when I met my husband, this was 20, uh, we got married in 2011. And he got a job opportunity in Abbotsford. And at the time I lived in Richmond. And when we were dating, he said, okay, Mary Tess, I'm a pastor. So that means God could call me anywhere like Mm -hmm. mm, Abbotsford. And I scoffed. I said, ha, I'm never moving to Abbotsford. Like, ha, 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 kind of thing. And then, of course, he gets a job opportunity and we pray about it. We're like, okay, I I think (laughs) I've got to go to Abbotsford. Wow. Yeah. From from Richmond. Yeah, which might as well have been Toronto. Like Abbotsford just seemed like, like so foreign. So that's like 2007, uh, 8, 11, something like that? 11. Okay, yeah. okay. So the year and we got married, like that next month we moved. Okay. So you start life out here and you've got a, you got a couple boys, Leo and... Bennett. Bennett. And they're not old. Like what, they're, what's they're their They're two age? and three. Two and three. Yeah, so they're little. And they are absolutely wild. <laughs> wild is an amazing. I just film them all the time and throw them on my Instagram stories because it's pure entertainment. They say... Like the fun kids say the funniest things. It's so true. Like well, I watched your this morning I, yeah. as I'm prepping. I we were at I a saw party your stories last night, and he he took a liking to this woman with blonde hair, and he was just like so infatuated with her. And he's like, "Can you please fart on me?" You know, and I'm like, <laughs> "What?" 
And then she's like, does your mom ask you to do that? And he's like, no. I'm like, oh, thank God he said no. Because, you know, like, I don't know these people very well. And so he's just like, and then today I'm like, why did you ask that woman to do that? And he's like, it's my job to ask girls to fart on me, mom. Like, so matter of fact. That is unbelievable. You know what? I, in fairness to you, it's probably the German side coming okay. out of them. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, Anything weird is my husband's side. Well, I mean, you know, the Filipino thing's got, he's got some stuff from that, but but that does sound, I, I've married <laughs> into, I've married into some German roots and so I can understand. There's some, there's, there's some different things. Okay. Okay. That. Yeah. We can, we can call it that. So you, um, so you've got a two, so what's it, you got a two and a three year old, mm-hmm. you have a career selling real estate yeah you are a you know you're a mom you're a wife you're you're a career woman you're you're a filipino minority i guess if you (laughs) want to say that that's a that's a ball of wax you got a lot going on for me it's just normal uh my mom was an entrepreneur so she did every business under the sun she came to canada with like ten dollars in her pocket and she, when she moved to the mainland, she became more interested in business. And so she got into um, like a car mechanic shop. And I'm like, mom, you don't even know how to change oil. She's like, I don't mm. care. I want to start this business. And so she did concert promotion. She had a magazine. She ran a, a convenience store. She ran a grocery store. Like she's d- just done anything and everything. Wow. And it never phased her that she was a minority. Because this was in the 80s and 90s. So even more so a minority. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she was just fearless about it. And so she paved the way for me to realize like what, there's nothing stopping me. Mm. And so I can quote unquote do it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the difference is that my mom has amazing capacity and I feel like my capacity is a lot less. Mm. We joke that she's got the energy of a 30 year old and I've got the energy of like a 60 something year old. <laughs> um, so I have to get more help. And so mm. that's the difference is that my mom never really asked for help. She's just kind of this like stubborn vivacious woman that's I'm just going to do it all and I'm like I need help I can't do this you know so in your mind um as you you know as you transitioned from a teenager into an adult married mm-hmm. were you always going to have a career um like not knowing you might not have known you were going to go into real estate but was your framework in your brain like go get a job or was it I mean some someone when women will say well I knew I always wanted to be a mom and and that's, that takes the primary role, and then the career is a secondary conversation. How did that play out in your in your mind? I think because I got started in real estate when I was nineteen, and because I had been acting since I was eight, mm-hmm. and then seriously pursued music uh, throughout my teenage years, that I'd always been working. So for me, work was very normal, and that was part of life. Uh, I've always wanted to have kids. It was, uh, but my career was kind of always ingrained into me ever since I was a young, young child. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into that a little bit then, because this, this is one of the things that fascinates me about you. Um, you, you, I mean, my impression is that you're an incredibly present and available mom. Yeah. And yet you withstand the incredible pressures of the real estate industry. And, and then my impression of you as a realtor is that you're an incredibly present, hardworking individual who devotes a lot of time to your clients. So what, like that is a, that is a thing that is completely foreign to me in that, you know, I'm a man, I don't have a uterus and (laughs) I'm, I'm automatically eliminated from that conversation, but speak to that a little bit. What is that, what is that like balancing those things 
and not just on a surface level, like let's go, what do you really feel, Mary Tess, about this conversation? There is a, a tension that I think as the mom, I feel that my husband doesn't feel. Like when he goes to work, he just goes to work. You mm-hmm. know, and the kids are like, oh, dad, we'll miss you. When I go to work, I feel like crying. Mm-hmm. And I remember very early when my kids were were even younger than they are now. And I, I could see them out the window and I could see their mouth, mommy, mom. Like I could see their mm-hmm. mouth calling for me and tears falling down their face. And I, I, and I stopped the car and I'm looking at them and then I'm crying, looking at them crying and oh. going, I need to go to work. I have a responsibility to get stuff done. And so having children has made me more efficient at my job. Mm-hmm. And when I'm with my clients, I'm very present. I'm very dedicated to getting them results and not just networking. Or, so I, I do miss some things like conferences and maybe I don't run the smoothest business behind the scenes. I, I'm not looking to grow my business exponentially because I'm, I do have to focus on being a mom as well. Mm-hmm. And so my, my favorite thing is when telemarketers come and, and they call me and they're like, hey, don't you want to grow your network and reach new clients? And I'm like, no. They're like, what? You don't want to make more money? I'm like, I don't want to make more money. I don't even like my life the way it is. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so so I, I do have that tension because all, all the training and leadership and coaching I've had in real estate is, you know, you got to drive and make more sales and be bigger, better, faster, stronger. But I can't, I physically can't mm-hmm. be number one and mm-hmm. be producing a, a certain level. And so I have to accept that my career is maybe capped at a certain amount because I have to be with my kids. And um, th- there are times when I have to choose and it's, it's a tough choice to make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm. Do you think, so I, I've spent some time thinking about this recently in, in preparation for our conversation, but also, you know, this is just a dialogue that I've, I've had with other people ongoing cause it's, it's interesting to me, but I'll just make a statement and tell me if this, if you think this is fair or not. Um, today our audience is the world. Like, you know, if you go back, whatever, 7,500 years, whatever, pre-internet, pre-social media, are are the people that we would compare ourselves to um, were basically our the tribe around us. That's all we had access to. So like immediate family, immediate friends, but it was actually a small group of people, right? Today, you know, social media is it can be great, and the internet is great, and you know, having access to all corners of the world, you know, there's there's good things in that. And I th- but I think one of the 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 negative sides to that is that we are comparing ourselves to this tribe that I think we're not naturally fit to do. Like, you know, so now instead of like, you know, looking at my friend who lives across the street and seeing how he's a dad or what he does in his business and kind of, you know, like measuring myself in that way, I'm exposed to 7 billion people. And I I think in every facet of life, there is somebody who's way better than me kicking my ass at that, you know, and then I, I have the ability to like, go like, man, I'm, you know, I'm shitty at this or I'm shitty at that because I, I am in, on a global scale. But, right. you know, in my own local village, if I were to be able to confine my brain to that, I think I'd come to the conclusion that, you know, I am actually pretty good at this or pretty good at that in, in comparison to those around. And so where that conversation is relevant to you as a mom and, you know, balancing work life is there's been this huge, you know, the, and for the positive, there's been this, this huge push of, you know, um, equal opportunity and equal right. outcome and, you know, you know, um, things, things like that, you know, in that conversation of, you know, giving yeah. women opportunity, but then now you are also 
whether you want to be or not, compared to all of these other like whatever conquering moms through right. social media and and the internet, which which I can imagine is is not easy. It must be it's tough. It's not, and you have to keep your focus really small, and you can't get stuck down that rabbit hole of following other people and staring and playing that comparison game. Um, and and I don't just play it with other women. I play it with other men. Because I see, mm-hmm. man, they're they're crushing it, and I I know he's at the office till ten o'clock, and I'm home at four thirty because I want to make dinner, and mm-hmm. so he's gonna make that many more sales. But how many more sales is it? Do I really need, and at what expense is that gonna cost my family? Because mm-hmm. in an instant, my career could be taken from me. Everything could be taken, and so right. I can't focus on on trying to be better than other people. I just have to do what's what's best that I can do. Like, for example, when I was nursing my, my child, I didn't want to deal with the hassle of, of pumping, which <laughs> Andrew's like, I don't know anything about this, but <laughs> no, for the I, women that are listening, I have three look- children. I watched my wife, you know, yeah. raise our babies with, <laughs> with very little of my involvement. <laughs> I'm familiar with pumping. Yeah. So I mean, you have to carry this backpack around and find a, it's like, it was just a hassle. So I just, I said, forget this. I'm, I'm just going to go home every three hours. And so I'd go to a meeting, show some property, drive back home, nurse my mm. baby, go back out, do another meeting, drive back home, nurse my baby. And so this was a different type of busyness and multitasking that I had to manage that um, maybe some of my male counterparts don't have to worry about. Mm. And so I also worry about food. I mean, I'm a foodie. I love food, but I also want to make sure that my kids are well fed. And if it's up yep. to my husband, it'll be pizza every night. So I have to make sure that. <laughs> are you listening, Tyson? <laughs> Get your ass in gear. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, you know, if there's no milk in the fridge, if there's no vegetables in the drawer, I feel responsible for that. So I need to work out grocery grocery planning. and. So that that you just raised a very interesting point. You touched on it earlier. I mean, I think it would be safe to say that even when you're focused on one thing, maybe that's, you know, whatever, working with a client, your mind is not at rest because... Right. Your mind is in other places. And I had, I had coffee with somebody um, the other day. Uh, it was a fascinating conversation. And actually, she's, she's going to be on the show as well. And she made this statement about, she asked me this question. She, her name is uh, Shahana. She's an incredible, incredible individual. And we'll talk to her uh, very soon on the show. But she said, Andrew, when's the last time you left for work and had any kind of like mental anxiety about what was going on at the home during the day? Oh, completely. And this sounds like a completely, I'm, I'm all, I'm, well, I'm, 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 I don't want to say a shame, but it's embarrassing to admit this. Like I've been married for 16 years. I have three children, 12, 10 and eight. And when she asked me that question, um, I've given lip service before to saying like, you know, my wife is incredible. And I do think my wife is incredible and I'm, and I'm grateful for everything she does. But when she asked me this question, I kind of had this like, holy shit moment. Right. And I went, yeah, like I roll out of the home at, depending on the day, anything between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. or whatever. And I never worry about anything. So whether we're talking about like the basics of like, you know, groceries, whatever, but like you get into the kid drop off, the mental well-being of the children, anxiety they might have when they get home from school. There's somebody there to catch them and then like, you know, deliver them back into the nest of the home. Yes. And, and we've had that, right? Like we have days where the kids, one kid comes home in tears or there was a fight or whatever. But like when I'm at work, I'm on and I don't think about that until I walk through the door and then I'm hearing about it from Kristen. 
And so what that does for me in terms of my effectiveness at work, it allows me to just be completely, you know, honed in on whatever I'm doing. You don't have that luxury. And, I have and that to, just, I, it, it requires a lot more effort for me to focus and do what I'm doing in the moment. But then it's a lot more pressure for me to get the job done fast. Hmm. Fascinating. So do you think related to this that the conversations, you know, we're in a, I feel like there's a lot of big issues being mm-hmm. talked about in the world today, right? You know, we don't need to get into all of them and nor do I want to try to get into some of them because I'm not equipped to talk about them. But, um, but on the topic of, you know, um, equal opportunity for women and, and not just equal opportunity for women, but like helping moms get into the workforce or companies uh, maybe making adjustments to their policies to getting right. moms into the workforce. Do you think the conversation that's being had in the public and in the media is the conversation that needs to be had? Do you think it's an honest conversation? Is there any way that in your mind it needs to be tweaked or shifted to to better address the issue? I haven't really heard of it being spoken of. So maybe that's the issue is that it's just, I, I haven't heard that it being discussed publicly. Mm. Um, I just know like the personal pressures that, I feel from it. Mm-hmm. So like I know when I'm at home and I'm, I'm cooking dinner, I often have my laptop open beside the stove yeah. and I'm responding to emails while the water's boiling mm-hmm. and then I'm cutting vegetables and then I check a text message. And th- so I'm kind of always working mm-hmm. and sometimes that affects my kids because my son will say to me, mommy, look at me in the eyes. Wow. And he's like three. He's three. That is unbelievable. And so as much as I say, you know, I try to be present with my kids when I I really do, but um, sometimes I can't because I'm doing multiple things at once. And so that's why I've tried to implement a day off, Mm. which for an entrepreneur is really difficult. Yeah. Uh, But I try to really, really protect our day off together. And my husband takes the same day off and we try to do things just as a family. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just purely reactive to fires in the business on those Mm -hmm. days, Mm -hmm. but I'm not doing any prospecting, not responding to anything that's not urgent that day Mm. once a week. So I know the answer to this, but I want to, I want to, I want to raise it because I want to hear you speak to it, but how then I shouldn't say I know the whole answer. I maybe know part of the answer. How have you gone about, um, relaying the importance of your family and balance to the people you work with so that they understand and and respect, you know, the boundaries that you have. It's hard because clients kind of want you available 24 seven. There's a a bit of that expectation. And so I, I don't outright tell the client, this is my day off. I just might, because I try to move people through the system pretty quickly And in theory, they're not working with me with weeks and weeks on end. So it's not like they're picking up that, oh, she's always taking this day off. Mm -hmm. But I'll just say, hey, um, I can't make it for tonight at five. Can we do tomorrow at 9 a.m.? You know, so I'll just try to push it to the next day. Yeah. And then sometimes if they text during bedtime, then I might be a little bit slower to respond. But then sometimes I'll say to my kid too, like, mommy has to just send this really quick message. Like, can you just wait one minute? You know, and so my kids have to learn to be patient. And so I have a very supportive husband as well. And so I'll just say to him, like, oh, it's a phone call. I got to take the call. It's another realtor. He'll, mm-hmm. he'll take the kids. 
And then I'll hide in the closet and then make the phone call. <laughs> You'll actually, you will hide in a closet. I will hide in the closet. There's been times where we have guests over, they open the closet door to hang their coat and I'm standing on there on the phone. <laughs> and I'm amazing. just like signaling them like, go away. I could just see one of your boys, that's what mommy does. <laughs> yeah. That's a, it. She crazy. It's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and then my kids, they don't find me and I try to keep the phone call short. And I, I don't tell the client on the other line, I'm hiding in the closet right now because you know, I, I don't want oh. them to see that I'm trying to multitask. I, I, I kind of want them to envision that I'm, I'm focused, I'm doing, but this, this is the reality of things. And sometimes I pull up to the house and I sit in the garage and I stay there on my laptop and people will come out and she's like, she's in that garage. Like she's still working. And I'm like, oh, I'm coming like three more minutes. I'm like, I need three more minutes. And I just bust through my work as fast as I can. Mm. Mm. And then I have a part-time assistant as well. So on those days off, I'll delegate as much as I can to her. And, um, just try to pass off like I'm I'm pretty good at just being like okay this is not for me to take care of she can handle this and just delegate delegate and if I have pain in the butt clients that I don't want I'm at the point in my career too I'll just pass them off to somebody else yeah okay I have a question I want to ask you is there a is there an experience or multiple experiences or whatever that occurred in your earlier life anytime any point in childhood that you think you've taken with you and then you use as, you know, maybe sometimes people will, will use the terminology, you know, something happened to you at a certain age and you made a vow that, you know, that would never happen again. Or it was, it was a shaping experience for the positive or the negative. Like this doesn't have to be, this isn't, doesn't have to be a clean answer, but is there something that sticks out in your mind or, or a few things that stick out in your mind that you carry with you today and you know, impact the way you either, mother, how you're a spouse, the kind of, you know, how you work, things like that. Speak to that a little bit. Uh, It wasn't really from my childhood. It was when I was first licensed as a realtor and my mom and I were buying and selling real estate and we had one property in particular that was the property from hell. Basically Mm. everything that could go wrong with this property went wrong. The tenants ended up in jail. They didn't want to pay their rent. So I had to post notice on their door, but they would tie their guard dog to the front door. So I couldn't do it. Um, We had them parking an RV and dealing drugs there. So I had to deal with police. We had dumping issues and garbage. So I had to deal with city bylaws and fines and complaints. Um, we had a major plumbing disaster, which was a big insurance issue. Mm. And um, just everything. Just It was such a pain in the butt trying to deal with this property. So we had to un- uh, um, unload it. And I couldn't, for various reasons, I couldn't refinance the property. Mm. And so it actually ended up going into foreclosure. Wow. As a realtor, that was really embarrassing for me. Mm-hmm. And as a young adult, I didn't have the skills to cope with the stress of, of this type of investment and mm. all the problems that came with it. So I was very stressed out. Um, this was kind of around the time when I was newly married and moving from Richmond to Abbotsford wow. shortly after that. And so at, for my career, it, it was a bad move because... Richmond real estate was average price was 600 and uh, um, Richmond was about 600. Abbotsford was about 300,000. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in Richmond. I had a database. I was selling real estate for about six years. I had a steady income to move to Abbotsford where I knew zero people mm. and home prices were half. I thought for sure, I'm not going to make it. This is career suicide. I don't know why God has called us here. This is not going to be a good idea. And so so we got into, into this foreclosure with this investment property. So this was intended to be a rental? or were Yeah, you trying a to rental, flip it, and then or? we were going to uh, develop the property with a neighboring 
site into a townhome site. Got it. And then you, but you, at some point in time, you needed to refinance it. Yes. And we just couldn't. There you was, couldn't. Yeah. It's complicated for why, but. Sure. And so it ended up foreclosure. In a foreclosure, you get an accepted offer, which at, for this house was 414. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what all the costs would be exactly with legal fees. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'd never been through a foreclosure before, sure. but I just knew that it was going to be about a hundred thousand dollars short. Wow. So moving, having this un- uncertain career, a hundred thousand dollar debt pending. Uh, I was terrified, stressed out. I didn't sleep. Um, I cried every day. New marriage. New marriage. That's um, a great thing to ask. New marriage. <laughs> My husband is very just such a sweetheart because he wow. carried carried and prayed with me through that mm. whole ordeal and like this is the baggage he signed up for. He knew about this property when we got married. Wow. And and so we were waiting for the court date for four fourteen and I, I had a dream that I told the guy in this dream, someone made me an offer and I told him, I need five oh four and I don't know where that number came from. It was just a dream. And so we were waiting for this court date, uh, for them to approve the four fourteen offer and um, the realtor called and, or no, I called him and I said, okay, what happened? Like, did it get approved? And I remember he said, boom. And I said, boom, who starts a sentence? Yeah. Boom. <laughs> wow. He <laughs> goes, boom, the property sold for five Oh five, 100. Wow. And I felt all the strength in my body disappear and I had to fall on my knees. It wasn't wow. like this act of like, oh, I'm going to fall on my knees and pray. Like, I literally could not stand. Yeah, you just melted. Um, And that's when I felt God's grace and hope again mm. enter mm. in. And I, I, it was a six-minute drive to my husband's office, and I drove over there crying and laughing mm. the whole drive. And I'm like, I look like a crazy person on the road. I'm like, I hope I don't get into an accident. That would be a terrible way to end the story. Um, and so I got to his office and I told him the whole thing again, just bawling my eyes out and just realizing I was this close to living a certain type of life where I would have had to have paid this debt. And that meant maybe we would have stayed in our basement suite a lot longer. Maybe we wouldn't have kids for a while. Mm. Um, and I, and, but I remember getting to a point of surrender and going, okay, if this is a burden that I have to carry, then God, I entrust you to to help me do this and to provide for me. And maybe I have an unhealthy relationship with money. And maybe this is your way of teaching me something through that. Maybe there's lessons of stewardship in this. And so when when I didn't have to carry that $100,000 debt, I felt very, very relieved and very grateful. Mm. And it was a, a huge growth in my faith. So have you encountered... I mean, that's so, yeah, for you to have experienced that and then be in real estate is, is an irony in and of itself. But <laughs> yeah, have you encountered, uh, have you sold foreclosures? Have you encountered people who are being foreclosed on or going through the process? I've had some people who, who've been close to it. And so I can relate to them and have empathy. And, and just when people I know, they, like, they just barely have enough down payment to buy mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. and the joy that they feel. Mm-hmm. It, it, I feel that same joy with them because I know what it's like to just to just barely have enough. Um, and the, the iron, the, I mean, like the kind of cherry on top for that story is that despite me knowing nobody in Abbotsford and despite home prices being half of what they were in Richmond, mm-hmm. my income should have been half, but I ended up doubling my income that next year. Mm. Full story. 
So how does that, so that, uh, not to say that you didn't answer the question, but this, this experience that you've, um, you know, you, that you had, mm-hmm. which was clearly difficult and trying at times, um, today when you, when you do what you do and, and, you know, whether you're being a mom or right. being a wife or being a friend or, or, or being a realtor, mm-hmm. um, do you carry that with you? Like, is that always top of mind? Or is this something that's now faded back into the subconscious and you it's, you draw it's, upon it when you need it? Or It it has faded back in, in a lot of ways, but the relationship that I have with money is very different now. Hmm. I think back then I put a lot of faith into my money, thinking mm-hmm. that that's going to provide me stability and security and hope and and just realizing like, no, that can just disappear in an instant with hmm. one judge making a call. And... um. And so I think that carries in with me and also uh, a humility of being like, I'm not the top dog. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, like I know that everything's kind of meaningless at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I put my heart and soul into selling real estate. It's not just a transactional business for me. Mm-hmm. And you can't really learn humility by reading about it. I think you have to be humbled and go through a, a period where you, you end up on your knees because you have no other choice. Yeah. There's a, there's a saying that I, I, I can't take credit for because I surely didn't make it up, but I, I can't even remember where I heard it. But it goes something like this, you know, when, when sometimes someone will ask me, like, well, why do you like that individual so much? And I'll say, I like that person because they have scars. And by scars, you know, I just mean um, life those, those life, those crucible moments in life that, you know, you come to a realization that like, I am not equipped to deal with this. And, you know, it forces you to read, to look beyond yourself for answers. And, you know, for you, you know, very, it's obvious, you know, you're a person of faith and that was very important to you in that moment. Um, Sometimes it's leaning on other people or whatever, but regardless of what it is, it's, I can't figure this out on my own and I need, and I need something else or someone else outside of me to help me deal with this. And, that is, um, yeah, you can't, you, you either have experienced something like that or you haven't. And mm-hmm. it, and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to describe racism. Mm. Is this a, is this something you've, you've encountered and dealt with? Because I grew up in Richmond, which was such a multicultural hub. Yeah. I didn't really feel different than anybody because everybody was different from everybody. But I, I remember one day coming home and uh, on our white garage, somebody spray painted in black ink, chink. Mm. And I just thought, man, these racists are dumb because I'm not even Chinese. <laughs> you can't <laughs> even insult me properly. Wow. Um, and so I was like, that means that somebody who doesn't like my ethnicity knows where I live and went through the effort of getting spray paint and tarnished our house wow. just to send some sort of message. Like I, I, I didn't really know what to make of it. Um, and I remember my mom, how she handled it. She was more just irritated that she had to now figure out how to remove paint and get like the, her, it just got added to her to-do list. Mm -hmm. She didn't really seem to take offense to it. Mm. And so then I didn't take offense to it. And to your knowledge, is that the, is that the only encounter you've had with it in your life or do you I would say that's the most outright racist experience I've I've had I've had lots of ignorant conversations with people who say 
you know, ignorant things. What, what does that look like? And I, I'm, I'm asking because, right. you know, like I, I, I don't know what that's like. You know, like yeah. if you if you sit in a you know if I'm if you're if you're not a my a, a visible minority if you're whatever you're if you're you're a white Canadian by European descent right you can't possibly know what it's like to be in a conversation or a situation in life where um, you know maybe somebody hasn't spray painted something on your door but mm-hmm. there's like this circumstance or this like offside yeah. thing that gets said what is that. How have you encountered that? And what is that like? I, I mean, I've had people say like, oh, you're a singer. Like, did you sing in your mother tongue? And I was like, <laughs> um, you mean English? Because I don't, right. I don't have them. Like, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know. And so they're not mean spirited. They're not trying to put me down. They're just, it's just an ignorant question. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't take offense to that. I mean, actually moving from Richmond to Abbotsford is where I actually felt like I was different from everybody because we walked into (laughs) why is that (laughs) i can't imagine why let mary tess tell you about abbotsford (laughs) um i remember our first sunday at at our new church there was like 800 people and i looked around the room i was like there's only three other people with black hair in this room yeah like this is very different from my last church in richmond which when we had cultural day we had 40 different flags representing 40 different countries by the way for anybody listening to the show who's not from abbotsford who had beliefs about what abbotsford is you've just confirmed every bias that they thought (laughs) abbotsford's a bunch of hillbilly farmers (laughs) who are all blonde hair blue eyed and they're all (laughs) it's actually not the case but yeah that is that is that's very real for the experience. Yeah, and so people weren't rude or ra- like everyone was so welcoming. I've actually never felt more loved and accepted by a community. So I don't have anything negative to say about it. It it was just I was more aware of for the first time like, oh, one of these things is not like the other and it's me. Mhm. Well, but in terms of your day-to-day today now, you would say 99% of the time this isn't an this isn't an issue in your life and you're not generally speaking encountering anything like that no I mean when I when I first moved here to Abbotsford I, I was pretty self-conscious about it and I was worried how it was going to affect my business because I was scared that oh these people have like deep roots with each other they've grown up together and here I am I'm a foreigner in every sense of that word mm-hmm. why would they hire me and I talked to Ray Ancana mm-hmm. and he and he talked to me about how if you just bring enough value, then mm-hmm. ethnicity and age have nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I, he spoke very frankly. He's like, Mary Tess, just bring value. Mm-hmm. Ethnicity has nothing to do with it. I said, okay. So I focused on just being very skilled. I did all the training classes. I became a better realtor. And I never let my race um, enter that self-doubt again. Mm-hmm. So one of the uh, one of the reasons... I mean, there's many reasons why you're wonderful, but when I first got to know you more, the thing that I thought, well, what, you know, why is Mary Tess amazing? I, the, the word that came to my mind is she's authentic. And the way, which I think people can hear that in you, you know, in, in this interview, it's, it's quite clearly obvious. You know, you're, you believe certain things, you're passionate about them and, and you're not, you know, you don't shy away from them. But where I where I encountered your authenticity is, you know, you and I didn't have much of this relationship. We weren't, you know, we weren't face to face. We were in the same industry, worked together, whatever. But then I encountered you through Instagram. Yes. And and Instagram is an interesting arena to encounter someone on because I would actually suggest, for the most part, it's one of the most inauthentic spaces <laughs> on the planet Earth today. 
and you mean social media in general. And I know like people will listen to this, you know, who just love social media. They'll call bullshit and they'll say, oh, yeah. Andrew doesn't know what he's talking about. But I, I would say that, that the social media platforms can be a very inauthentic space yes. where people are showing or presenting Their the best. side of them that they're comfortable with, that they mm-hmm. want the world to see. And, and not that that's even bad. You know, like we do that on a daily basis. Like, you know, when I have people into my home, do I leave shit out all over the floor? No. I, you know, right. I, I present, of course, it's not me that cleans the home. It's <laughs> Chris, Kristen that prepares it, but it's us. But, um, you know, so I don't think these, this is a bad thing to do to present well, mm-hmm. but when we present well in a, in a, in a, in a context where, you know, there's humans in front of humans and it's real life, I think there's an understanding that, that you know, there, there's another side to people. But then when you encounter people online and you don't know them from a hole in the ground and all you ever see is that best pre- presentation mm. or representation, then that's where, you know, we can find ourselves, you know, comparing ourselves to people and things that aren't right. necessarily real or whole. And, um, and so then in that space, I find it especially refreshing when I see somebody who's totally authentic and you're getting every <laughs> side of them. Yeah. And and to I'll I'll take it one step further. Like I have been slow into the social media game, you know, and I have received a lot of pressure to get there quicker for various reasons. Um, but my hesitation in that process has been I value authenticity and and I don't see a lot of authenticity there. And I just wasn't quite sure how to engage in a way where I don't want to like blow my brains out because I felt like the closer I got to some of that stuff, the more I hated it. Right. So then along comes you into my life and I start to see you and watch you and I see you on Instagram and I just go, holy shit, like here's this, you know, everything we've talked about today, you know, working mom, Filipino background, moves from Richmond, whatever, blah, 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 two kids making it all happen. And you are on Instagram exactly the same person who's sitting across from me today on my couch I think that's amazing. And I think you're amazing because of that. And I just want you to, I don't know, I want you to, I want you to hear that and absorb that and just sit in that because I think that's phenomenal. I, I, yeah, I don't know how other people do it. I feel like that would require so much effort to always have to put the best foot forward all the time. Like Instagram's like quick stories are just like you, you're on the fly. I'm recording stuff and hitting send. Like I don't have time to edit and put on makeup or, you know, like it's just, that would be tiring. If I, if you're not an authentic person, then you have to always be changing hats from your workplace to then I'm on social media and then I'm at home, then I'm at church. Like if you're just the same person, it requires way less effort. So I think it's just a matter of efficiency that I'm authentic. Mm-hmm. So, and that is, that's, that's, I mean, that's the conversation in your brain and that's why you're able to do it. I think, um, a lot of the conversations in people's minds as they are, you know, grappling with how to engage with social media and video and, and, you know, engage the world in that way is that um, they're not comfortable with things like the sound of their voice or the way they look or, you know, like it's, it's this huge obstacle to, um, to present themselves in that way. And so then you get, you get, you get a couple different types of people. You get the people like, like me, like where I, I've been, I've been hesitant to engage for a variety of reasons. And then you get a lot of people where they engage, but then their engagement is, it's only you can just tell so clearly. It's only the side that they want to present. It's the highly educated or highly um, edited edited video, edited photo, 
uh, or it's only one particular type of post all the time. Right. And and I mean, I'm not. I'm, this isn't my attempt to to slag any individual. It's just an attempt to say, good on you for um, for showing all sides um, in what I say is a really real way. And then I I would then say that is, if it's not the most significant reason, it's got to be one of the most significant reasons as to why people gravitate to you and why you're so successful and, and you know why you do what you do because people love that. Um, is the way I see it. I think that's what life is really about is connecting with each other and helping each other and uh, not one-upping each other. And so, I mean, from a business perspective, my, um, I don't even know what you call it, like not the wall, but the, your posts, my Mm -hmm. posts are pretty, uh, professional. Like I had a branding lady come and help me figure out, you know, that my colors and all that kind of stuff. So my poster and I've got the edited listing videos where I walk through the property. So those are pretty clean and crisp. But um, if I'm feeling something a certain day, I, I might post something personal. But then my stories are really candid. Those are really off the hook. Well, and I would say, you know, not to not to knock your professionally taking photos of homes or whatever, but like just as a human, forget the fact, the fact that we know each other in the business. When I go, when I engage with you on social media, I couldn't give a shit about the house you just listed. Yeah, I I, it's uh, you're th- what you're doing with your kids and your husband and out in your day to day life or whatever. Where you're, that's the entire spectrum of Mary Tess. Yes, that's the only thing I'm there for. Yeah, and that's why I'm engaged. There's a million people in the world, and if we just want to yes. talk about our industry or yeah. but in any industry where all they're doing is presenting, this is what I sell. This is mm-hmm. what I do. Here's the best of this or whatever gag like I just want to puke when that's all I see but then because of the way you're engaging by showing you know the entire spectrum of who you are that that's why I think people are there that's why I'm there and I and I and I think I can speak for the world when (laughs) we say this is why we love Mary Tess well I I kind of think of it as like a tv show people don't watch tv to watch the commercials Right, they watch the show to watch the show, and then there's a couple commercials. Unless we're talking about the Super Bowl, but I don't want to well. get us off track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I'd watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and so my life is like the show, and then real estate is kind of like the commercials. Like I kind of throw it in there because it's a part of my life. It's not like I'm a secret realtor, you know. It's there, but it's it's not who I am. It's not my identity. It's not based on my career. That might be the best thing you've said all day. My life is the show and real estate is like the commercials. I like that. That's good. Everybody listening needs to write that down. <laughs> okay, let's play a fun game. Okay. What is your, you and I both love, we both love calories. Yes. We love, <laughs> I'll take calories in any form. Uh, but what is your, like when you are alone in a room and the door is closed and there's nothing to be embarrassed of and nobody can see what you're shoving into your face. Yeah. Like what is your thing? pork rinds this is amazing <laughs> i don't know if you've ever had pork rinds pork. it's it's, it's uh, oh man we just like ventured back into the filipino world be so offended you, you take pork skin which is fat i'm gonna get letters from pita i know because they're, of they're you right gonna now. hate this yeah. but then you fry it in more fat until it gets crispy and then you dip it in vinegar. This is the Filipino way. This is the, the you got to dip it in the vinegar because the vinegar, I think, like eats the fat. So then it's like you're eating celery. That's how that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you just made that good for vegetarians. It's like you're eating celery. Basically. So, okay. Give us, you got to, you got to put this on the spectrum for us because there's, there's 
clearly 99% of the world has never consumed this. Although what? I'm telling you, what? I'm going to now after we've discussed this. Oh, come on. So you, where is this on the, on the taste spectrum? Like, is this like a salt and vinegar potato chip? Is this more like bacon? Does this taste like... It's like, like a combination of bacon and a potato chip. Like, it doesn't get better than this. Like, this is why I have gallstones, Kay. <laughs> <laughs> They're so a, tasty. That was amazing. I have gallstones, but I'm willing to sacrifice yes. for them. So are we like when we consume these things, is this like a thing we're we're doing this in front of the TV while we're binge watching? Or how is this how yeah, is this food consumed? You can put that on anything. You can like crumple it up, like put it on salads, put it on like noodles, like it's a multi So is this a regular are they always in the clean household? Yeah, like is this like in, peanut butter? This is yeah, like peanut butter. Yeah, this is in the drawer. Wow. And wow. they're just stored in a bag or yeah. whatever. Yeah, we've got a clip. I'm not going to finish the whole bag in one sitting. I'm not a pig. Like, Well, you know, we wouldn't. No like, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so we wouldn't judge you if you were. It'd be fine. So, you know, for those for those listening, like, you know, if they're someone's curious, I'm like, well, where would I where would I buy something like this? You got to go to I, any Asian market. What about like Superstore? Superstore has everything. Do you go to yeah, Superstore? Yeah, Superstore would have it. Yeah, or or any store. or any Asian market. The Asian market would have a more variety of different flavors. I, I can't believe we're talking about pork rinds this long. Well, you brought it up, and <laughs> contrary to what you might think, though, everyone is going to be like, "I've never heard someone say this." Okay, we need to invest in pork rinds because yeah, it's yeah, about to boom. It's, it's about the stock. To be the stock is yeah. about to boom. Okay, okay, that was question one. That was very that was a very good answer. Pork rinds. My, I, yeah, not that you're asking me this, but I my my answer would definitely not be that interesting i would have been very bland like some kind of candy or potato chip or yeah. or, or, or something like that so candy's good too we had a candy themed wedding and a big candy bar and yeah mm, that's a big thing these days yeah is I, i've i've seen many things like this recently where we you had got a donuts big and tree candy and, and and like uh those pop rocks or not pop rocks the rock candy like yeah yeah, yeah 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 as like icicles yeah around like a big buffet with various different heights of yeah. all sorts of candy like the kids loved it so, okay, if you weren't, so if Mary Tess Clem was not a married realtor with two kids living in Abbotsford, British Columbia, uh, doing what she does, and, and the world was your oyster, and you're like, you can answer this question without causing any offense to your spouse or children because, you know, it's, it's purely for science. Yeah. <laughs> Where, where would your, where would your life be? What would you be doing and what would you be amazing at? I don't know if I would have continued my music career. People kind of asked me that and cause I got into real estate and it took off. Uh, this was when the, like the peak of the market in 2005. So I kind of just went that direction. Um, so I don't know if I would have continued music. Maybe I would have been a bit more artsy and got, gone into more songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, but Law has always intrigued me. I, I love the idea of being able to go against another lawyer and use your brain to come up with a better strategy mm. to help your client. Yeah. Uh, and in particular, um, immigration law is also fascinating to me as well to help people get into the country that maybe don't have any sort of skills in navigating the immigration process. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They're, those are two totally different careers. I don't know. And you can't tell me that if you were in that career, you'd be living in Abbotsford. That, that is just not a thing. I don't know. You're only here because you met the short Mennonite dude. <laughs> There's zero chances you'd ever be here. So where where, where would you be? You'd, oh, you'd be- you know, my, my sister lives in the Cayman Islands. And so we visit her all the time. And I'm like, that's not a bad place to, you know, 
I would say that's shop. pretty good. Yeah. I like that. So when you go when you go to the Cayman, like are you does she have a house there? Yeah, she's got a house and a, a little guest room for us. So. I've never been to the Cayman. That that is like that's in the Caribbean. No. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of by Cuba, Jamaica, yeah, that Yeah, yeah. Area. So do you fly through Florida, stop in Florida and then uh, head from over? From Toronto and straight from Toronto to the Caymans. To the Caymans. Yeah. Wow. Do you go there every year? Uh we try to go every year. Yeah. Like this time like around yeah. Christmas time yeah, or January. What? Are you going this year? Yeah. I'm going. <laughs> are you gonna be Oh, you know what? Actually now that you say that I think you were making, I was going to ask you if you're going to be making posts online, but yeah, you posted last year when you were there. Yeah. I remember seeing beach shots or house shots. Oh or yeah, come whatever. on. It's, it's, it's the Caribbean. <laughs> How do you not? Like the water is so blue. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. I've actually never outside, other than like the, um, the, you know, that whatever, the Cancun part. I don't even know mm-hmm. if you can call that Caribbean. I've never been to like the real Caribbean, like Bahamas. It's so or, nice. And the people are just laid back. And mm. yeah, it's just a really ne- like awesome vacation. I'll have to go yeah. soon. Perhaps the thing that I'm most excited about or I love the most about the podcast is, um, you know, here we've spent, I don't even know how much time talking, probably longer than I think, but I want to give you a platform for a few minutes. Um, you're here because I think you're amazing. And the purpose of this podcast is to find people who are just everyday amazing, doing incredible things, but don't necessarily have a microphone or a platform like, you know, modern day celebrities do or whatever. And I want to, I want to be able to tell people's stories um, as we've done here today. But now I want to give you a platform for a few minutes to share with us somebody that you know who needs to be talked about and who the world needs to know about. Uh, My husband and I have this friend named John Lowe, and he's a veteran. He uh, served in Afghanistan for six months, and he came back and kind of became the poster child for Wounded Warriors, which Mm. is an organization that helps veterans who come back and um, deal specifically with with mental injuries. And so that's like PTSD and and stuff like that. And he's just really stepped up and and supported his brother's who went to war with him mm. and he's really involved in that and just fundraising and just, we, we just think he's an, and then him and his wife are just awesome people all together. Mm. And he's got this kind of quirky passion for picking, you know, when you like go around to garage sales and old barns and find vintage stuff. Mm. And so uh, they've started up a little business. They just opened shop on Gladwin road here on Abbotsford. Oh, in Abbotsford. Yeah. Um, What's the name of the, do you know the name of the shop? Uh, he just has a temporary name right now. I think it's like lost, museum a lost vintage museum or something like that mm. it's where the granny's market used to be oh yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, they yeah. just launched and uh yeah and so i think they're amazing good people and yeah so he he's he was a canadian veteran when yes. did he serve um i don't know the years but it, it was it was uh before i mean, I, would, I guess around maybe 2009 okay so it was like it's this gentleman's not like how old would he be he's my age Okay, yeah, so yeah. he's like been in Afghanistan or Iraq or, yes. or yeah, yeah, and he shared his stories before, and he's um, yeah, he's very open about it. And was he in combat? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Mm. Yeah, but he, still, he's he's experienced. Um, I mean, that's kind of his story. To yeah, tell. yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, totally. the fact that he was willing to lay down his life for other people, I mean, how is yeah. that not amazing? And did you did you only encounter him? By chance, or how did what he was, was a youth pastor at the same time that my husband was a youth pastor, so we knew him Got through it. that connection. Got it. Yeah, and then we, uh, yeah, we're just really good friends and mm. funny guys. Cool. So. 
Well, he's right in our backyard, yeah. and everybody who's listening probably didn't know who this man was. John Lowe, right? Yeah. John and, uh, and Natasha Lowe. And now we know John and Natasha Lowe. Yeah. So if anyone's going by the old granny market. On Gladwin. On Gladwin. Pop in. You now know who John and Natasha are, and you can you can say hi and tell John why we think he's amazing. Yeah. Hey, before we wrap up, I just want to give, I want to be able to tell people how to find you, because I know everyone's going to have heard you today and say, wow, Mary Tess is so incredible. I need to, I need to <laughs> talk to her and get to know her. How do we uh, how do we find you online or what's the best way to reach out? Uh, I guess my Instagram is pretty active right now. So that's at Mary Tess Clean, and you can see that in the show notes or just look me up on uh, com. All my contact info's there. Um, even if you're like a new realtor or if you want to talk about faith or anything, mm-hmm. like I'm very open to meeting people for coffee and yeah. Cool. Thanks for coming to my house Thanks and spending for time. Me. This was amazing. And uh, I guess we'll see you around. Bye for now. Thanks. Well, that was exactly what I thought our time together would be. Mary Tess Kleem, what an incredible human being. She was thoughtful, intelligent, well-spoken, authentic. She is everything that I hoped we would have with her today. So thank you, Mary Tess, for engaging with us and for being so open and honest in our time together. Don't forget to check out the show notes for more information, to subscribe so that you can listen to and continue to learn from Everyday Amazing.